It's our Sunday Club anniversary. We've got various groups taking part. Fireworks are going to introduce Solomon to us this morning, which will be the theme of our service. The king went to Gibeon, the most prestigious of all the local shrines, to worship. He sacrificed a thousand whole burnt offerings on that altar. That night, there in Gibeon, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. What can I give you? Ask. You are extravagantly generous in love with David, my father, and he lived faithfully in your presence. His relationships were just and his heart right. And you have persisted in this great and generous love by giving him, and this very day, a son to sit on his throne. And now here I am, God, my God. You have made me your servant, ruler of the kingdom in place of David, my father. I'm too young for this, a mere child. I don't know the ropes, hardly know the ins and outs of this job. And here I am, set down in the middle of the people you've chosen, great people, Far too many to ever count. Here's what I want. Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well, discerning the difference between good and evil, for who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people. God, the master, was delighted with Solomon's response. Because you have asked for this and haven't grasped after a long life or riches or the doom of your enemies, but you have asked for the ability to lead and govern well, I will give you what you've asked for. I'm giving you a wise and mature heart. There's never been one like you before, and there'll never be one like you after. As a bonus, I'm giving you both the wealth and the glory you didn't ask for. There's not a king anywhere who will come up to your mark. And if you stay on course, keeping your eye on the life map and the God signs as your father David did, I'll also give you a long life. Solomon woke up. What a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, took his place before the chest of the covenant of God, and worshipped by sacrificing whole burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then he laid out a banquet. 1 Kings, chapter 4, verse 29 to 34. God gave Solomon unusual wisdom and insight and knowledge too great to be measured. Solomon was wiser than the wise men of the east or the wise men of Egypt. He was the wisest of all the men, wiser than Ethan the Israelite, and Heman, Kalkol, and Dada the sons of Mahal, and his fame spread throughout the neighbouring countries. He composed 3,000 proverbs and more than 1,000 songs. He spoke of trees and plants from the Lebanon cedars to the hyssop that grows on walls. He talked about animals, birds, reptiles and fish. Kings all over the world heard of his wisdom and sent people to listen to him. One thing we noticed was that Solomon did a lot of praying and that when he was praying and staying close to God, then things went well. 
I am very grateful to those members of Lighthouse who've kindly said that they will share a proverb that Solomon wrote, or something that Solomon wrote that they have found amusing or interesting or helpful or challenging. So those of you who have kindly said, yeah, I'm up for this, can I invite you to come and and share your proverb or your word of wisdom with us, please? Thank you. So Proverbs 10 verse 9 is, The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Proverbs 15 verse 1 is, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Uh, Proverbs 1 verse 8, Listen, my son, to your father's instructions and do not forsake your mother's teachings. Proverbs 5, um, 5.21 For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord and he examines all his paths. So Solomon, ruler over Israel, following in the footsteps of his dad, a big challenge, wasn't sure he was up to it, asked first and foremost for wisdom. And God said, good call, Solomon. Because you've asked for wisdom, I'm not just going to give you the wisdom you need to look after all these people. I'm going to give you a long life, and I'm going to give you plenty of wealth as well. You could have asked these things, but you didn't. But because you asked wisely, I'm going to give you these things too. And God was as good as his word. If there were a top ten rich list of the day, Solomon would have been number one. He was fantastically, amazingly wealthy. He built all kinds of things. He built a temple for the Lord. And having built a phenomenal temple for the Lord, he built his own palace. That was pretty extraordinary. In fact, he took twice as long building his palace as he did building the temple. Some people think he got his priorities wrong a little bit there, perhaps. But his palace was magnificent. He built the hall of the forest of Lebanon. It was made with, you know, massive hall built with cedar wood and wood from the forest of Lebanon. Very expensive, very ornate. In the hall of the forest of Lebanon, he hung gold shields. He had hundreds of them. He had 200 large shields made of beaten gold. He had 300 small shields of beaten gold. So much wealth, didn't know what to do with it, made the shields, didn't need them for warfare, just hung them in the hall of Lebanon for decoration. In Solomon's day... Well, let's go to his his throne room. His throne room was magnificent. If you went to see Solomon, you were in awe of the majesty of this king and the wealth that he had. No one had a throne room like him. His throne was made of ivory. It was overlaid with gold. He had stone lions at each side of the stick, six steps leading up to his throne. And there he was, seated, ruler over God's people Israel. People would bring him gifts Every cup he drank out of was made of gold. All the articles and utensils in his house were made of gold. And silver, nobody bothered with silver. Silver was as common, it was plentiful as stone. So they didn't make anything out of silver, and and it was just regarded as worthless because there was so much wealth everywhere. Every three years, ships would come from abroad bringing Solomon gold, because Solomon knew that gold maintained its value better than anything else does. He, he had a, 
wise head on his shoulders, did Solomon. They brought him gold, they brought him expensive wood, they brought him spices, clothes, weapons, horses, mules, perfume, lots and lots of perfume. Solomon was the wisest and richest king in the world. God blessed him in that kind of way because, because he asked for wisdom. The Queen of Sheba came to visit him. And she was overwhelmed. She was famous. Everybody respected the Queen of Sheba. But she said, I hadn't heard half of what I've seen today. And I didn't believe what I heard. But it's all true. It's amazing. Aren't your people fortunate to have a ruler like you? Your wisdom and wealth are even greater than what I heard. How happy are your servants must be before you and hear your wisdom. She gave him gifts of gold, silver, spices, lots of spicy food, stuff like that. And Solomon, for his part, said, and here's a little something for you as well. Wealth attracts wealth. Because Solomon had so much wealth, people would come and bring more to him, and he would give it away to other people. It was a time of unrivaled prosperity and happiness for God's people. All because he, as ruler of God's people, said, Lord, please give me the wisdom I need to look after this people well. Searchlights are going to come and do another bit of reflection on Solomon. One of the Proverbs of Solomon, I wondered if the older ones might choose but didn't, is it's better to live on the corner of a housetop than to share a place with a nagging wife. (laughs) We'll pray for you both afterwards. I wouldn't know that, of course. Solomon did because he had loads of wives. In fact, he had 700 of them, which is proof you can have too much of a good thing. (laughs) Though he didn't marry them all at once, Mormon style. But if 700 wives weren't enough, and that's that's mind-boggling in itself, he also had 300 mistresses. He was a bit of a ladies' man was Solomon. Partly I guess that's because the ladies thought, here's a wise man, here's a wealthy man, here's a good man to get alongside, but also because in those days, you know, you cemented alliances with people by by marrying princesses and wealthy ladies and stuff, so Solomon kind of cemented alliances all across the world by personally marrying women from all across the world. And that, that had its problems, Because the wives he married didn't worship the Lord. They came in with their own ideas about what God was like, and sometimes they would say to Solomon, actually, you know, our God is a bit better than your God. One of them would say something like, not to knock Yahweh, but some gods are perfectly fine with intermarriage. They don't get jealous, and they don't send plagues on their own people. So, you know, perhaps you have something to learn from these other religions, Solomon. And Solomon kind of looked and scratched his head and thought, well, maybe they've got a point. Maybe I've just been a little bit too blinkered in worshipping God only. Perhaps I should be, you know, open to worshipping the Lord and giving some time to these other gods as well. So he would go and use words that previously he'd used of the Lord and say them to other gods. So he would say to gods like Astarte, Blessed be the name of Astarte, giver of wisdom, guardian of righteousness. And another day, he would go and say, Glorious Molech, who is like you? 
And all these words that he had used for the Lord, he would use for other gods as well. And because it's better to live on the corner of a housetop than to share a a house with a nagging wife, he built temples for these gods where the wives could go and worship and get out of his hair a little bit. So he built a temple uh, for Chemosh, and he built an even larger, bigger, splendid temple for Molech. And all the wives would go and worship their gods in all these different temples. And Solomon would join them. And the Lord, well, the Lord wasn't thrilled with that. That wasn't part of the deal, actually. And you can imagine God saying, I specifically obeyed him from, what do these other gods have that I, I'll show him who's worthy of worship. And so God goes to Solomon, Solomon in his throne room, and the Lord says to him, look, Solomon, you have broken my covenant. You have broken my agreement with you. Because you have not obeyed my commandments and regulations, I will tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. You asked me wisdom to look after this kingdom. You've done all sorts of stupid things. Because of that, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you, Solomon. Because you haven't kept my covenant. But for your father David's sake, he said, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it from your son. That's because if you were here last Sunday evening, Marion was talking about God's covenant with David and saying that was unconditional. No matter what, God said, I'm going to keep my covenant with David. So even though Solomon went off the rails as he did, God says, I promised I would do all these things for David. I'm going to keep that promise. So even though he said to Solomon, look, I'm taking the kingdom away from you, I won't do it during your lifetime because, you know, you're David's son. I will take it, from, take it away from your son. And I won't take away the entire kingdom for your father, David's son. I will keep just one tribe and give that to your son so I can keep my promise to David. But you, Solomon, you will pay the price for your stupidity. And your son after you will as well. So God sent one of his prophets called, a high, uh, well, first of all, the man he had in mind was a guy called Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was one of Solomon's servants, and he was in charge of, of all the workforce in Solomon's kingdom. And God sent Ahijah, one of his prophets, to meet Jeroboam one day. And Ahijah was wearing a brand new cloak, a bit like David's T-shirt there. And he took it off, and he ripped it into 12 pieces. And he took 10 of them and he gave them to Jeroboam and said, take 10 of these pieces. For Yahweh, the God of Israel, says, look, I'm about to tear the kingdom from Solomon and I will give 10 tribes to you. And if you obey my commandments and regulations like my servant David did, not like Solomon, notice, like my servant David did, I will give you a lasting dynasty, and I will give Israel to you. In due course, Solomon died. Happens to us all, sooner or later, at the end of a long life. And his son Rehoboam took over from him as king. Now, amongst all the Proverbs that Solomon wrote, he said this, When a country is rebellious, it has many rulers, 
But a man of understanding and knowledge maintains order. A ruler who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain that leaves no crops. Rehoboam was not a man of understanding. He was not a man of knowledge. He did not maintain order. When people came to him and said, what kind of king are you going to be, Rehoboam? How are you going to treat us? He said, you haven't seen anything yet. You think my father Solomon was harsh. Well, wait until you see what I do. My little finger is, is thicker than my father's waist. You know, if you feel he, he beat you up and, and flogged you with whips, I'm going to flog you with scorpions. I'm going to give you a really hard time. He was a ruler who oppressed the poor. He was like a driving rain that left no crops. And so the country rebelled against him. And it all fell apart under Rehoboam. Ten tribes said, we want nothing whatsoever to do with this king. And they installed Jeroboam as king in his place. And from that day on, the country was split and was never, ever united again. Solomon. In his time, he was a wonderful king. And we've heard that he was a wonderful king because God gave him wisdom to govern the people well. And because God gave him wisdom, he had all this immense wealth. And because he had all this immense wealth, loads and loads of women wanted to be his wife. And they were, all 700 of them. But those wives turned his heart away from the Lord and he lost his wisdom. And without the wisdom, even though he had all the wealth and all the wives, he wasn't so wonderful anymore. And without the wisdom to know how to manage his money and how to live with all those wives, he ended up actually being quite weak. Started well, finished badly. It's how you finish that counts, actually. Solomon said, words that he should have followed, words that we would do well to follow. This is God speaking through Solomon. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honour you. I don't know what you want most out of life. Whether it is to have amazing amounts of money in the bank. Whether you long when you grow up to get married and have children. Whatever else you look for, make sure you set your eyes on getting wisdom. Because that will enable you to make the most of whatever you do or do not have. And if you have wisdom, God will bless you with other things as well. So as you grow up, as you come through Brighton Road, as you get older, always keep your eyes focused on getting wisdom. It's the greatest of God's gifts, most highly prized. If we have it, that will enable us to do well in every area of our life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you give generously. You say if we lack wisdom, we should ask for it, and you, and you give it to us. Keep us from being wise in our own eyes, for thinking that, oh, we know it all. 
Lord, as challenges come, as they have and as they do, give us wisdom to make the right decisions, to know how to cope when we've made wrong decisions. Give us the wisdom to know how to live our lives well so that we can be blessed and other people can be blessed through us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.